Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 56 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I am so excited to talk to my guest today, Ben Matucci. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Like I told you right before, I love speaking to other marketing people. So guys, this is going to be an epic episode for all of you. So Ben Matucci started his career at age 18 doing door-to-door sales. He's now the co-owner of Zima for the last three and a half years, taking care of 68 active clients, managing over a million dollars in ad spend. And he's worked with some of Seattle's and the country's biggest brands, 40 of the 68 clients are real estate agents. And what the company does is PPC, which is pay-per-click advertising and media production. So guys, video ads. Um, And I'm really excited to kind of dive in with you, hear how you got here, some of your advice for anyone who's starting to test, dabble in ads, and specifically in real estate, which is no major now. So how did you get here? How did you go from door-to-door sales to internet marketing agency? Yeah, so it's actually kind of a crazy story. Um, I was knocking doors. I dropped out of college in the first quarter. I just, my heart wasn't in it. And I wanted to figure out like what I wanted to do. And I knew like learning sales would be a good thing to do. So I, I went to Salt Lake City from Seattle. And I uh, sold door-to-door there for summer. Ended up doing really well. And I led a team of people the next year. Um, and I went to, <clears throat> I went to uh, Austin, Texas. I went to Sacramento. And I went to, ended up in Miami, Florida. I was in Miami, I was uh, walking and, and knocking doors, and I got hit by a drunk driver as a pedestrian. Um, oh, my gosh. I, it was pretty crazy. I uh, totally screwed up my back. I fractured two of my vertebrae, herniated four of my discs, um, had some nerve damage. And so, you know, after that happened, I couldn't knock doors anymore. So it was like, this is a commission job. You got to be there to make money. So how am I going to do this? Um, my business partner, who is also one of my best friends growing up, was very like already getting into e-commerce. He was already doing affiliate marketing. And uh, I had the skills to go and sign people up. And he had the skills to fill the work. So like, let's team up and uh, I'll start selling these services. Um, and, and then, you know, we'll build up the team to fill it. And uh, fast forward, you know, three and a half years, where are where we are today. Um, and it's been really cool to see things grow the way that they have. I love that. What were you selling when you were going door to door? I was selling pest control for a company called Active. Um, okay. which is like an environmentally friendly pest control company. They're pretty large. I think um, they sold they sold part of their company, I think like most of their accounts to Terminex for like $100 million or something like that. Wow. Um, it's actually a pretty cool story because the guy built it in eight years and sold it for $100 million. Um, that is pretty all, cool. That, yeah, it's pretty cool because it was all through leveraging college students and they would sell in their summer months. And then the, the thing is like, if you don't want to have student debt, you want to learn a valuable skill, you go sell door to door, you make enough money to pay for your college that year. You get the average person to make like 20, 30 grand in four months selling. And then um, you also are able to pay for your school and get these skill sets. So it was, it's a cool company and it was a great experience. I think a lot of like that put me into where I am now. I love that. It's so funny. We had someone else on the show who also built like a whole tech company and they sold it. And this guy, Christian Chasmer, a couple, I don't know, maybe like 20 episodes back already. Um, and he had a very similar experience with, without the car crash accident. Um, he worked with yeah. them like paint across America or something like that. And it was the same idea, college students on their summer months, going door to door, selling something <laughs> there. They were selling um, yeah. house painting. Yeah, that's uh, cool. That is fascinating. A, I didn't realize totally, that there was like more than one industry. I mean, I guess I could have intuitively yeah, I mean, said that, but it's very, it's a very interesting model. I like it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, the thing about door-to-door sales is it's very transactional. So the things you learn, like, those, you know, you never want to make people buy things they don't want to buy. You never want to use your sales ability to get people to do things they shouldn't do. But the type of sale when you're doing door-to-door is transactional because you're going to meet that person once, you're going to sell to them, and then the fulfillment team is going to come in. Whereas, like, what I do now is totally different. I don't even really consider it sales. I consider it consulting because my clients work with me reoccurring. So, like, we're going to work together. The relationship needs to start off on a good foot and needs to be fully educationally based. 
um, and then they need to make their decision. And like, if they choose to, or they not choose not to, I'm still going to be in contact with them and like, you know, doing those transactional sales. I've even seen this like with hiring people from those industries. Some of those things don't necessarily roll over into the consulting area so fluidly. So it's definitely been interesting to see like things transition, but I'm totally happy with what I do and being able to have ongoing relationships is fun. Yeah, I like that. I like that differentiator. I think that that's something you're interesting to go into just for a minute. The difference between what you might call transactional sales, which is like one and done, right? Like I sell you something and then you never see me again. Like someone else takes it over, um, which is what most corporate sales looks like. Whenever you have different teams doing things, right? And always in corporate, you've got the whole sales team or sales floor or sales, whatever. They're there just to make the sale. So you don't need to like them. You're never going to have a relationship with them. They're never going to do anything other than sell to you. That's very, very limited. Um, and then what you yeah. would call, would you call this educational sales? Like what would you give it as a name, this relationship sales? Yeah. Um, someone once told me that um, they would consider it like technical sales because like there's lots of ins and outs and numbers. Um, so PPC and doing online ad campaigns. Um, for me, I consider it more consulting um, because I, I meet with people. I'm very upfront with like what it looks like to work with us. You know, before we even meet, they need to understand what it's going to look like. Otherwise, I'm just wasting my time going to meet with them. Um, and then once we tell them what it's going to look like to work with us, they decide that they want to learn more about how they can get there. Then we start educating them. Um, usually, I spend time like the way I do it is like a 50 minute introduction call with somebody because um, I don't know if I want to give them a bunch of time yet until I talk to them. And they don't know if they want to give me a bunch of time yet. We do that 50 minute call. If that goes well, I have a discovery form that I send them and it's pretty in-depth. It takes them like 30, 40 minutes to fill out. Um, and once they fill that out, then I, then I move forward and I put together a strategy and we review that strategy together. I never send the invoice. I never send the proposal unless I'm going to review it with them and have a meeting for that. Everyone just looks at the price tag and throws it out the window. Um, if you don't take time to look at it and then, um, once that's, that's happened, then usually it's like, let's move forward and do this. Or, you know, I'm six weeks out or three months out, whatever it is. But I'd really try to be educationally based because there's so much going on in the online world. And there's honestly so many different avenues you can take to grow your business that uh, we need to make sure that people are clearly understanding what they're going to get, why they want to take this opportunity and do it, and then how they're going to maximize that. Because um, a lot of what we're doing is like PPC generating leads and things like that. And a lead is an opportunity, but opportunity is nothing if you don't follow up on that opportunity. We have to make sure that everyone knows like this isn't a hands-off, you know, for getting you homes closed from these leads. We're getting you people who want to sell their home, but you still got to win their business. Um, and so I just really try to make sure like being upfront about that because when I started my business, I didn't have, I don't feel like I ever pushed anyone to do anything they didn't want to do. I don't feel like I ever told anyone that, they uh, were going to get things that they wouldn't or things would go differently, but I wasn't blunt about things. And now I'm just blunt about it. Like we can get you 50 leads in a month and they're all going to be qualified. They're all going to fill out the form. But if you don't call them in 24 hours and guarantee you, you're not going to get them as a client. And I have to literally tell that to people because they need to know the best way for them to maximize what we're doing. Um, so that's why I kind of feel like it's consulting because it's like a two way street. If I'm getting them business and they're not maximizing that business by following up, then my business model isn't sustainable because we don't make, we don't do well when people come in for two months and leave. We do well when we have the same clients for 30 months for 24 months. And that's how my business has grown to where it is now. So it's like, I have to be a consultant, more like a team member to them, like getting them stoked on it, helping them with everything that I can as opposed to a salesperson because a salesperson, I feel like you're getting them to commit. And then you're kind of hands off. And I've seen it firsthand. I, I hired uh, a guy who was a very successful timeshare salesman over the phone. And uh, we were running online ad campaigns for ourselves. And uh, all I, I noticed all the business he closed um, ended up, we ended up having issues with communication or with people. And I, I kind of learned that the sales process that he was taught as a timeshare salesman was a very high pressure. You have to act now or you're going to lose your opportunity. And a lot of things, and that's not, you know, that's not how I am. And that's not how we want to have our clients' relationships. So it was a big learning experience for me. Unfortunately, I wasn't the one, or I wasn't uh, firsthand having the, the experiences with those people. So I was able to come in as the business owner and correct things and make sure everyone felt good about things. But it was definitely eye-opening to me. Um, and being someone who's training, like, you asked me what my biggest problems in business are. So one of them right now is training people and finding good team members as we scale. Um, and like it was a huge experience for me 
to understand the different types of sales and the different types of personalities and all these things that come into play. Uh, and plus on top of that, like when you're hiring people to represent your company, it's like very, very important that you, you not only qualify them and teach them the way that they need to engage with people, but also like make sure you're just getting the right people from the start. Um, For sure. The car, car sales, timeshares, door to door. Um, those are all very transactional and those are not, not at all the same type of sales cycle. You know, I would say like kind of like real estate is somewhat transactional, but at the same time, like any good real estate agent knows that if they want to be successful for the long run, they have to treat every client like they're going to be their go-to home, you know, realtor or whatever for the rest of their life. And they need to make sure that they're present, that they're giving them the best customer service and really any sales transaction should be like this. But I think some business models are built in a sense that people can just kind of get the sale and run away. And so totally. Anyways, yeah, I would call this more, that's fine. I would call it more relationship sales. And I, I talk Absolutely. a lot about this. It's funny. Last week's episode, I was talking to a sales guy as well. Um, and one of the things that he said is exactly like what you said. They do, they do very interesting. They, hold, they do a whole like direct mail thing that direct mail that takes people to an online sales page um, where people submit their information. And he said, we call them within the hour that he has got a thing on his phone as their thing comes in, comes instantly notification and he picks up the phone and calls them within the hour. He's like, Hey, you know, I just happened to open my email and see your notification. And they're just like, how, how did you get back to me so fast? You know? Um, but that's totally, if you're doing anything where you're trying to build that relationship, then you've got to have a relationship. It doesn't work if you're just like, you know, hi, buy this. Okay. Bye. And I think that in general, no one really wants that anymore. People are sick yeah. of being sold to. They're sick of being yeah. manipulated into things that they don't really need, they don't really want, they don't really like. And I'm not gonna say that in certain industries it doesn't work. And sometimes if you're, again, in a corporate setting, if you're just the sales guy and then it gets handed over to the customer relationship team and the account managers, could be different. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you're a small business, like a- you're all of that. <laughs> you yeah. are the sales guy, the account manager, the relationship builder, the consultant. You are everything. And it sounds like you do, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're doing some sales training for your clients, right? You're telling them what they need to do to maximize on the leads that you get them. Yeah. So um, one thing I've done, like I dropped out of school, but I haven't stopped my education. We buy like a ton of online courses from like top level marketers or people who I know, like they're doing something really well and I want to learn what they're doing. So we'll buy their course, we'll pay for consulting, whatever, to learn the information. Um, so I picked up like a lot of tips and tricks and just also in my time, like doing sales, I sold cars, I sold life insurance, I sold door to door, um, and then I sold marketing. Um, I've kind of learned quite a few things. And so I just try to pass that on. And really the biggest thing is like, I mean, they're just totally off the wall, normal sales statistics, but number one, calling someone in the first 15 minutes gives you a 300% higher chance that you're actually going to convert that lead. Um, another one is that I think it's like. 80% of sales are made between the fifth and 13th reach out. Um, And then there's like another one where uh, usually it's like, I think it's like 30% of the the company who reaches out first is 30% more likely to get the client um, than any other company. So like if you, you know, it's just like, if you're paying for leads, you're like doing any sort of sales, like you're people first and you got to be present. People are present. So, I feel like the best way to kick off a relationship with anybody is to be responsive. You know what I mean? Cause like if you're trying to earn their business and you're trying to get them to pay you money and you're not giving them your full attention and your full energy and you're not following up with them attentively, like literally I usually follow up with every single time I get a text, my commitment to my clients is unless it's at some funky hour of the night or I have scheduled to be out of off work this day and I put it in my calendar and I have notification going out to everybody. I will get back to you in 30 minutes, almost always. And so I feel like that can't stop when you, when you, when you're getting the lead, it has to be even shorter and it can't stop. It has to always be quick and responsive because that's just how good business is done. I think. Totally. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, there's, there's a synergy in online marketing. One of the things that I teach in my LinkedIn 3030 course is I, the, the course is how you leverage LinkedIn for sales, right? There's a lot of stuff out there, LinkedIn for influence, LinkedIn for leads. I do LinkedIn for sales and it's five-step process. Part five is getting them offline onto the phone. If you think that you're going to close yeah. deals by typing things or being in your feed, you're wrong. 
That's just not how it works. And typically the deals, because I have actually um, closed clients only by talking out to them through text message. And uh, I've had it happen three times. And every single time that project has completely fallen apart. Because um, so you haven't you built have a real have. connection or real relationship. Yeah. Totally. You have to have that. Totally. I won't. I do the same thing like you. We do a 15 minute consult always. And I call it it's part of my client filters, right? I want to see as much as I want the client to see if I'm the right match for them. I want to see if they're the right match for me. And I don't even want to work with someone where it's not really good on both ends because it'll fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, but yeah, I think um, kind of like what I see right now is people transitioning out of a lot of direct response. So direct response is like in advertising, it can be um, just static ads that are, you know, you basically direct response ad would be showing somebody an ad using a discount showing it to 100,000 people and 99,000 of those people are 99% of them are just they're just not going to engage with it they're, they're just they don't have enough information you're asking them for money before they even know who you are kind of disrespecting their decision process um, and then there's like content-based marketing plans and like awareness-based marketing plans which is kind of more what I do and that's where we're very media-based um, where you're like warming people up and the way that I describe it to people is like there's different levels of psychology that people go through and they make decisions and it happens whether you're buying a home it happens whether you're buying a car something i've kind of like obsessed and studied about um because i thought i found it very interesting but there's the awareness stage there's a decision stage and then or the consideration stage and the decision stage so we have the acd and um we want to always catch people in awareness and in awareness we want to give them value like just upfront value we're not asking anything of them we're saying this is who i am this is what i do this is this is how I can help you, but we're not asking anything of them. We're not asking them for their info. We're just showing them something. And the best, most effective way to do this right now is videos. So we're creating video content. And with this video content, what we're doing is we're targeting people who are qualified to see it based on the business's ideal client. And we're showing them videos. And then depending on how well they engage with that video, they watch it for seven seconds. They watch it for 10 seconds. They watch it for 30 seconds. We're showing them different pieces of content after. So we're able to distinguish who's interested and who's not based on the engagement. And then the content is obviously designed to pull people in, but it's always value-based, always value-based. And then the people who do engage with the amount we want, we're putting them to the next stage, which is the consideration stage. We're actually giving them a value proposition. We're asking them something in return. Um, and a lot of times that's where you get people to convert. And then when people don't convert there, we put them into another set of funnels where we're usually giving them social proof and things like that. Um, but this is how I've, this is how I generate leads for my business. It's how I do it for real estate agents. It's how I get e-commerce sales in my e-commerce store. Um, it's all through warming people up because there's so many people who are just expecting to post an ad, to post something, and to get a response. And you have to earn that response. You have to earn it. And the way you earn it is by giving people value and showing them that you care and that you're the authority and that you're not going to disrespect their decision process by expecting them to make a commitment when they have no idea why they should. I love that. Uh, that's so interesting. I never heard it distilled like that. So I teach it in five components, which it's the same thing, but it builds it out a little bit, which I think might be interesting for you. So I teach it, um, sales funnel, five stages, attention, interest, evaluation, negotiation, decision. And I find mm -hmm. that this works whether you're buying bread marketing services, a home, or another business for $100 million. Like, it doesn't matter. Everyone goes through these five psychological. So attention is the same, right? We start, so you're calling it awareness, I'm calling it attention. Um, attention comes, it's almost the precursor for awareness even. It's like, did you get their attention? It could be a headline, it could be a social post, it could be an ad, it's just something. Again, it's the same thing. Are people aware that you exist? right? You've got to grab their attention. But there's a key that moves them to the next level. Did you get the right people at the right time in the right way? Yep. If you did, then they're interested. Yep. At interest, you got to move them. If it was the right thing, they'll be interested. They'll look more. If they like what they see, you kind of got to tee them up, right? I think it's exactly what you're saying. If they've looked at a little bit of a video, good. That's showing a certain level of interest. Give them more. Give them value. That first thing I find, again, some people need it to be valuable, but some people just need it to pique their curiosity. As long as you pique curiosity yeah. and interest, again, in the right way for the right people at the right time, they'll move into interest. So I feel like your awareness kind of bottles those two. It's attention and interest. And then yeah. by me, it moves into what I call evaluation 
negotiation, which by you, I think is the consideration yeah. components. But when you break it out into two, and, and I think yeah. it's important because before anyone's going to seriously consider, they're going to evaluate. So you've got to have something yeah. for them to evaluate. And I've seen many businesses lose this part. They'll do content marketing and expect it to go straight to decision, but they don't give people what to evaluate. So I've seen, and then maybe you, you've seen this also, which makes yeah. sense. I've seen people do online marketing and not have a website. They'll try to drive people mm -hmm. straight to buying something that's offline, straight to buying something in a yeah. place where it doesn't, it just doesn't explain it. Or they have like a really, really garbagey website where they're like, Hey, I ran all these ads. Oh my gosh. Want to hear a crazy story? Had this guy e-commerce. Okay. Selling like a kid's toy and they were running. I get so mad when marketers do this. And I even knew the person who ran his whole thing. He paid tens of thousands of dollars to someone to redo his whole site, build him a custom e-commerce. I'm like, why did anyone build you a custom e-commerce site anytime after 2015? I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> like we've, we've got yeah. templates and services for that now <laughs> that are really cheap. Fine. Someone built him yeah. a custom e-commerce site. Then they started running ads online, taking people straight to order forms and order pages. I'm like, do you think you're magnetiles? Do you think you're Lego? Like, why do you think that you're going to take this brand new toy that no one's ever heard of, that no one knows anything about? You're going to run ads. So you got their attention and they're even interested, but you give them nothing to evaluate. You just have to go make a decision. Yeah. There's got to be something yeah. for people to learn more about you. And then they negotiate. So negotiation yeah, is either in person or in your own head, right? I always teach a story about bread. You're like, should I get this? Should I not get this? Is it worth it? And you can lose people at any point. Um, but I'm very interested in the idea of kind of the yeah. refunnel, right? So let's say you lose them. And I, I always talk about this. You can lose them at any level. I always say you've got to plug them back in at the top. Do you say that you plug them back into the top? Where do you plug people back in if you lose them somewhere along the way? It depends. Um, if it's like, for example, someone goes to a landing page and then they don't actually put their info in, we're not going to put them back at the funnel. Probably what we're going to do is we're going to start showing them social proof. So like video testimonials, uh, testimonial carousels, things like that. Um, if, for example, somebody gets all the way, I, the other thing too is like, you have to remember that people get tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. So if you're like, think about when you're watching TV and you see the Geico commercial and like the first time you just totally crack up and then this time you change the channel right so like it gets to the point where like you're like ah enough of this i'm gonna get, get rid of it so you got to make sure you're changing things up so when you say top of the funnel yes you're putting them back into that stage but we don't want to be keeping showing them the same thing over and over again because it's just like it'd be like um when you cold call somebody and they tell you they're not interested and then the next day you cold call them and you pitch them the same exact thing and they tell you they're interested. like i you already told me this I'm not interested. You just keep blowing them up. So the way that we do it is we kind of find different niches and different angles. And um, we use this strategy called unique, unique angle advertising. Um, and so usually what we're doing is we're looking for very, very targeted groups of people. So we're going with a certain real estate agent and they're looking to do a buyer's campaign. That's completely different from a seller's campaign. Well, a buyer is usually also going to be a seller and a seller is also usually going to be a buyer. We're hooking people in at their highest interest level. And so we have different pieces of content. So like the awareness stage content, um, usually we'll have like two to three pieces of content and we'll show that content in a cycle and a tandem. That way people who are at that same stage in their head uh, aren't getting bored. So totally, yes, put them back in the top of the funnel. But there's also a point where like you see somebody go, you see, you know, we'll run a funnel for like three to six weeks and like we can just also tell like it's not worth keep spending money on these people. But the other thing too is, we do, I do a lot of video ads. And the reason I do video ads is because they're super cheap and you can qualify people for like a tenth of a penny. So like, for example, if we're going to run a video ad and you have a thousand dollars of ad budget in 30 days, your ad's probably going to be shown to like close to a hundred thousand people, um, depending obviously on the quality of the content, the size of your targeting audience, um, and how quickly you scale things. But if you're doing a thousand dollars in ads, you should be showing about a hundred thousand people your ads. Um, with a video and that's very very inexpensive talk about that kind of exposure I mean I sit here all day and I talk to real estate agents who are at luxury price points and they're paying 2500 bucks to have the listings featured in luxury home magazine and nobody's I mean you know 100 people are going to read that um, and it's not going to be distributed fast enough for them to sell their listing in a time frame that makes them happy so why not take that budget and put it into an online ad campaign where we have a, a, a sexy beautiful listing video that's created by a videographer we have photography put together for you. 
Um, and then we're actually targeting people who are making the amount of money that you need to make in order to purchase that home. They're also uh, financially qualified because they're not behind on their credit or their mortgages. So we're also targeting that. Um, and then they're also browsing. Can you check websites. that inside a Facebook ad? Um, with Google ads, you have more ability to do those things, but um, you can target like people who have uh, high, high spending credit cards. You can target people who okay. are uh, luxury purchase habits. You can't, you can't blatantly just people with good credit. But you can right. You can't like you can target, target like credit attributes. over seven hundred. <laughs> no, you can. But you can target attributes of Got it. people okay. who have good credit, which would be Got people it. who drive luxury cars. People, who, you know what I mean? Um, totally. So. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?
You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?